This podcast is sponsored by King Manual Therapy, restoring function to body and voice. Later on, we will be discussing the services Stephen offers and where you can find him. In celebration of Series 2, we are having our first ever social event. This will take place on Monday the 29th of April at the Charing Cross Theatre, otherwise known as Players Bar. We will be there from 6.30pm and you can drop by any time throughout the evening. The bar is open late with live music starting from 11pm, so we will be there. Come by and connect with us and other people, have a mingle and let's celebrate change happening in the arts. Tickets are free but limited, so please visit our Twitter page or just email us to book them. A special shout out has to go to Miles at the Players Bar for giving us this space. We're so grateful, Miles. Thank you and see you there. which discusses the importance of talking about mental health within the creative arts. My name is Scarlett Maltman and today we are joined by the fabulous Fujiro Amasiobi. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. And yourself? I'm very well, thanks. Feeling a bit unwell, we discussed at the start. Yeah. Tired. Same. Shattered. Yeah, but, but thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you for um, having me. So Fujiro is a graduate of the GSA um, and has graced many shows um, such as I Am Because We Are, which toured Manchester, and you're currently appearing in All About Eve, the play on the West End. How's it going? Well, really well, yeah? thank you. You're loving yeah, it? So far, so good. Fantastic. It's great. You're on a show today, aren't you? Yeah, show sure, tonight. Brilliant. So we always start with a little word association game. Are you ready? Uh, uh, not, not really. <laughs> I am notoriously bad at these. Really? So, oh no! So we'll see. Be awesome. Okay. First word: rice crispy cakes. Cereal. Chocolate or That's... chocolate or marshmallow? That's a question. Uh, chocolate. Chocolate. Good choice. Acting. Life. Passion. Home. Family. My next one was family. Uh, <laughs> Home. Yeah. <laughs> Small doors. What? <laughs> I put it because you're so tall. Oh, small doors. Yeah, uh, having to bend a lot, I guess. <laughs> How tall are you? Six four. Six four. Yeah, my grand, my uh, my granddad's six five, so I think that's. Runs in the family. Yeah, I think that's where it where it comes from. Wow, I love that. Um, laughter. Joy. Drama school. Training. Support. Friends, family. A sparkly neon raincoat. <laughs> See, <laughs> the first thing that came to my mind there was uh, my friend Emily Baxter, because that's just something she would, I imagine her wearing that. Amazing. Yeah. Theresa May. <sighs> Dreadful. It's awful, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's literally just a joke, really. um, But moving on for, from Theresa May... Let's just start um, by, tell us a little bit about you. Um, when did you start developing your love for acting? Um, I'd like to say I've always, I've always loved it, but I, I don't think that would be... I, I won't be being completely honest, because I, I did it at school. So just doing it with friends, GCSE drama, but yeah. it was just a... For me, I took it as one of those lessons just to mess about, so I didn't really take it seriously. Okay. My best friends did it, so do it go in for a couple of hours and just mess around but for some reason I wanted to go on to college and do it but when I got to college it was like oh all these other people have actually 
wanted they yeah. they've wanted this for a long time and they want to be here so it was just it was great to be in a room with like 16 18 other people who who had done this for a while and they take it very much seriously so that's when I probably started taking it a bit more seriously at college yeah, the first yeah. year of college so yeah I don't I don't think I was taking it seriously at school like I enjoyed it but I wasn't I didn't see a future in it yeah, if that yeah. makes sense so what what shifted in between college and then taking it more seriously um I guess in in college well I didn't really know too much about drama school mm-hmm. like I, I didn't know I didn't know how you became an actor I just wanted to do it at college because I thought yeah it'd be fun and I'm just gonna enjoy myself for two years and do it but at drama school a few of my teachers and people who'd come into direct shows would be like you know you should you should consider it. And then when it came to second second year, a couple of my friends were auditioning. And I remember at the time, I knew nothing about drama schools. All I knew was that my favourite actor, who still is my favourite actor, Adrian Lester went to RADA. And I just loved this show he was in called Hustle on the BBC. Mm. And I absolutely loved that show. So I did some research. Oh yeah, he went to RADA. Didn't think anything of it. So I thought, oh yeah, I'd, I'd apply to RADA. But didn't know any other drama schools. I was just like, and I said to my, and I remember saying to my tutor at the time, I was like, yeah, I think I'm just going to apply to RADA. And he was like, okay, why not? But here are a list of other drama schools you should probably check out as well and audition for. And I remember he practically gave me the monologues I auditioned, I went to drama school with because I, I knew nothing about it. So yeah, auditioned, got into GSA and Love it. three years later, yeah. And how, on the topic of GSA, how, how was that, your, your three years of training, from going from maybe a more relaxed environment of not really knowing much about the industry, as it were, and then going full smoke into three years of professional, intense training? Yeah, um, different, very different. But at the same time, I think I was, I was ready for it. Because mm-hmm. I'd had a few friends who were like, oh, if you if you're going to do this, then it, it, it's not a walk in the park. Like drama school isn't a joke. You're going to have to yeah. take it up a notch and just be ready for it. I suppose I had a bit of a weird thing where I got into GSA my first year of auditioning, but had some personal stuff going on. So I had to actually defer my place three weeks mm-hmm. onto the course. And I just remember that beat feeling like that was the absolute worst thing that had happened to me. So I had to go away for a year, go back home, be with my family, mm-hmm. And then come back the following year. So I wanted it more than ever. I, I remember vividly how I felt. That I, it felt horrible just feeling like the worst time of my life. So I came back the following year pretty much ready to yeah. ready to take it on, really. Fantastic. And then what, was there any support um, at your time of training regarding mental health? No, no, which is, it's a shame really. I mean, there are some tutors at that school who do really care about the well-being of, of of the students and make an effort to sort of be there in your time of need. And we've we've got a well-being centre, but I don't I don't know too there wasn't really much of a push to for students to go there often or whenever you were feeling down and you, so it's yeah it's a bit of a shame really that's that's something that should that they definitely should work on over there. Um, how just you mentioned about having to defer your place how was it when you went back the following year um, mentally for you yeah I remember 
I guess for me, I was really, ex- because I wasn't quite sure that year if I was still going to go back or not. Mm-hmm. Like I only, my place was officially confirmed, I think a month before I went back. So at some point in August, it was confirmed that I was going back. Mm-hmm. So I remember I was really excited at the time. Can't wait to go back. And then the days, the, the closer it got, I would just remember feeling really anxious because it was like, oh, I was going to see all these people again that I spent three weeks with, three weeks with last year. How's that going to be? They're now in their second year. I don't necessarily know how. Oh, many. so you started. You started yeah, I actually course. did. I started the course, oh, and then three weeks, three weeks Gosh. in, I had to leave. I had to leave, and then, yes, yeah, so I remember just being really anxious. I was like, oh, I don't, I don't want to do it. And I remember that day going into, going into halls, like unpacking all my stuff. And then obviously GSA have like a freshers event where it starts that night mm-hmm. and you go to this party, the second or third year's day, the SU days sort out this party for you. And I just remember before walking into this party thinking, oh my God, I really, like feeling really, really anxious. I was like, I don't, I can't do this. I cannot see all these. Whereas there's nothing wrong. Like no one was going to be horrible or anything. If anything, they were really like welcoming and yeah. and it was just great. But at the time feeling really, but yeah, it was, it was great. I've made friends for life and it's, yeah. Ailey Lone, woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> I think that's such an important uh, thing that you brought up actually because even whilst training, if people have injury or personal issues that they do have to, to stop and maybe take a year out or repeat a year, yeah. it, at the time it's it is seen as such a a burden, but actually it's it's not and the industry is always gonna be there regardless of, of yeah. your opinion. And in hindsight, like at the time it literally felt like my entire world was coming to an end. Like, it just felt so embarrassing. Like, all my friends were so happy. My family were happy, ecstatic that I was going to this great drama school, ready to go train for three years. And then I had to go back home, home for a year. I just remember not wanting to see anyone. Like, I didn't want to, for a good week, not wanting to see my friends at home or see necessarily family or talk about it because I just didn't. It's like what, what? What do you tell people? Everyone's been so. You've had this like leaving away party, and all your friends came out, and you were off to drama school for three years, and now you're back three weeks later, and it's like, how do you, how do you explain that? But in hindsight, I think it was absolutely the best thing to happen to me, because just looking at the scape of the two years as much as I would have enjoyed my time at GSA if I went on did the three years with that group but I don't know there's just something about the group I ended up in and the friends I've made and the connections I've made and the plays we did I don't know there's there's something different and I just think I don't necessarily know how my journey would have panned out if I got to do that the first time as opposed to take a year out and come yeah. back so I don't absolutely yeah it's just that thing of it that everything happens for a reason yeah it, it does it, it really yeah. really really does and look at you now you're slaying well try, trying slaying. to trying to <laughs> uh, so just back into the topic of drama school how important is diversity diversity whilst at drama school and um, did this ever lack when you were at drama school and did this ever affect you because obviously it's a massive yeah massive yeah it's it's yeah I would say it's a big it was a big part of my training just because the year I had I would say my year at GSA was probably the most diverse year they've mm-hmm. ever had I don't I don't know if that's right I'm just going off 
yeah, I don't, I don't know, not too sure. But I would say it's probably the most diverse year they've had in recent years. But it still wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were, what, six or seven ethnic actors in a year? How many was in your, your group? 35. Oh. So I don't, I don't know. It still just doesn't feel like... But for me, the biggest part of, I would say, diversity whilst I was training and the thing I really wanted and I tried to push for, and I know a lot of people on my course tried to do the same, isn't just filling out some sort of quote about getting a bunch of actors of colour mm-hmm. onto the course. It got it goes beyond that. It's like the material being used to train actors, uh, the tutors, directors coming into direction. I mean, I my entire three years, I didn't... All my tutors were white. I didn't... Yeah, like, no one was of... It would have just been, it would have been nice to have had like someone come in in my second year to direct a play that that looked like me or was from that world. And I just think it, it goes a long way for students, even when people are coming into audition. Like it, it can be, it can be quite daunting when you walk into that building and you're seeing hundreds of students and no one looks like you. I just don't know how that affects someone's psyche. Whereas if you came in and it was like, oh, this this school there are like people who I can identify with that person over there and it's like oh this is great I can I can feel at home here when I if I do get in and come here to train like I'll feel welcome so I, I don't know and uh, and yeah choices of material being used to train actors I mean I didn't do in my three years my last play at drama school was Earthquakes in London and that was the first time I played a role I could actually go up for in the real world, like, so to say. I just thought, it's such a shame, like, we should, if you're going to have these students at your school, then you should cater to them almost, like, the the accents you do, I know that's a, that's a big thing. I'm even in the process now, this week, meeting up with a, a dialogue coach for the first time. And I'm having to do that a year on from leaving drama school because I've just realised in my in my year off, there's certain accents and things I've gone up for that I can't necessarily do. And I'm having to do that on my own and learn now. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I suppose you never stop learning. Yeah. But it's almost as if I'm playing catch up. Like I should be, I should be there. I should be, be able to instantly do that. But I'm having to now meet up with a diet coach and use my own money after spending thousands of pounds at drama school to be able to do these accents and do certain things that I just didn't get from my training yeah yeah and that's not to say there aren't people at GSA who are wanting to push for that but it just doesn't seem to be to be happening I remember like constantly we would talk about it and talk about it and the great thing about my year is everyone in the year wanted that it wasn't just like the actors of colour pushing for this thing like the general author like we would have year meetings and talk about it choices of play wanting it to be more just create this atmosphere of a more diverse score it just felt yeah so I don't know just taking that about college how is that a reflection of the industry um, that that we're now in do you think the industry is more diverse in that sense Um, like do you feel like you have been trained properly to be catered for the industry that you're in or that, do you think there has to be a massive effect on both both parts the industry and drama school 
there has to be a massive effect, but I don't feel like I'm, I don't feel like I'm well equipped now to do certain things that I'd go up for. Mm-hmm. Like I'm still actively every day doing something like some sort of training or learning an accent or learning how to do something that would get me to where I need to be to be able to book a job. But I do feel like the, the industry is changing in the sense that, yeah, it's a lot more diverse than it was a few years ago, and, but it's still got a long way to go. So it's, it's great in that sense. And I, I suppose the, the, the good thing from that is kids, you're going to get a 17-year-old in, a, in college somewhere who's not quite sure if he, he or she wants to go to drama school, but then they can go into London and see a play on at the Hampstead at the moment and see two young black female leads who look like them and it's like oh this is possible or go to the bush or go to the Dunmar and see all these plays and it's like when I was going to the theatre at 15, 16 that just wasn't the case it wasn't happening but you've got all these venues now where you've got young black talent I mean I saw I'm going to see a a play at the Ocola in a few weeks where it's just six Asian leads like that's that's amazing like that would have I've never seen anything like that or the film that came out last year what I still need to see that actually Crazy Rich Asians oh yeah yeah like so many of my friends that made them so happy to see them represented on the big screen it's like it's amazing to see and it's like for the next generation or for the 16 year old who's unsure if they want to do this or if there's a future in it or trying to persuade if their parents aren't necessarily from that world or familiar with it or trying to persuade their parents to let them do this, they have a point of reference. They can point to that and go, no, but look at that. That's happening for people who look like me. And yeah, I just think it's really important. Absolutely. Um, So we released an interview with Daniel Bailey a few months ago um, and he said that it was difficult for young black men to know where they fit in the industry as there aren't enough roles written for them and by them. Um, do you think that it's important to have representation across um, writing theatre so that young people start to see their authentic stories on stage? Yeah, I, absolutely. Um, just because, like, like I said, representation is everything. Because when you see people who look like you, it creates, I don't know, it creates this sense of, oh, I can absolutely do that. Yeah. For the 16-year-old me sat at home with my mum every night watching Hustle seeing Adrian Nesta being able to do these different things and play this con man in a way he's one minute he's got a Birmingham accent and then he's playing a Cockney the next episode and then I'm like how is he doing this but seeing that and seeing this man yeah he's, a, he's, old, he's older than me but I'm like if he can do that what's, what's from stopping me being able to train and do that so it's like when you're constantly going to the theatre or there's new writing or there's a play on and it's just of people who look like you and it's like that's that's amazing like I saw Misty twice last year and I write sometimes but I'm just like oh I don't, I'm not sure if I necessarily want to want to push that and do that but seeing Misty and seeing Arinze Kenny on that stage doing that I'm like that is possible I can and just seeing how amazing that play was I was sat there thinking what's my what's my excuse if he can if he can achieve that, it means there's a space for it and there are people who would yeah. pay to see that and it transferred to the West End and was on for weeks. So if people are paying to see that, and it, it's, 
it shows that it's needed. We're not in that time anymore where it's not going to sell or Black Panther did however billion last year. It's like, it's, yeah, it's crazy. So I don't think there's an excuse. It's just people are being lazy when they say there isn't, oh, there isn't a space for it or we can't put this, it's it's just lazy talk, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say it it happens with everyone, that that level of like stereotype because people, I mean, I walk down the street and people see me and they just assume I'm a certain way or, yeah, I'm six foot four, I'm supposed to be this. That same thing happened to me last year. I had an agent whilst, whilst I was, so whilst I was getting ready to leave drama school, I took a meeting with an agent who was my second meeting with this guy. I'd sent him a couple of self-tapes. He had seen me do a show and I was ecstatic. I was like pretty much ready to sign with him. Yeah. And then in my second meeting... I've never talked about this, but then he went. He went. Yeah, just just one thing. I think. Um, I think you're, you're great. You're there's, there's a market for you. You're gonna do so well. But it's just, I don't know. You just need to, black it up a bit. But then fucking joking. I I sat there and it literally felt like someone had. You know when you hear something and it's like please tell me that this guy didn't... And I didn't know how to react. It literally felt what like someone had punched me in the face. But then he, so I sat there just so confused and I was hoping I didn't hear it. And he was like, yeah, I just think, yeah, you're this, you're this guy, a lot of the roles you're going to go up for, you just need to... You're, you're, you're well-spoken, you just need to... Um, so I don't even I wouldn't even necessarily say I'm well spoken but I'm, I don't know what the, what does that mean yeah, Do, are, like, are, are, black, are black people not supposed mean? to speak I was like what what does that mean or I, and, he, and in that moment I knew I wasn't yeah he he works for a great agency but I knew I, there was no way I would sign with anyone like that no. and it's like that happens constantly where it's like people think if you're a certain way, they just assume what you are based yeah. on what you look like or the colour of your skin, you're, you're meant to act and be a certain way. And yeah, that's, it's, it's disgusting. It's like, that shouldn't, that shouldn't be happening. And this, these are people who are working in our industry. If I'm going for a role that requires me to be a certain way, I'd be, isn't that the whole point of me training? Like exactly. I've been able to, I spent three years of drama school. I'm pretty sure I, I can walk into an audition for a, and and prepare to. I, I don't yeah. know. It doesn't make any sense. Like, I, so <laughs> what am I supposed to walk around every day for the rest of my life doing not this, being, being this stereotype just because I'm an actor? I'm like, no, I have a life outside of this. I'm not gonna. It's fucking. Oh my god, I cannot believe that. Yeah. So going back onto the topic of drama school, and I guess just in the industry as gen as general. Um, but I think ja- eh, drama. I think <laughs> drama school. It can be um, a very challenging time for most actors, um, and a time that I remember particularly well, where I battled with quite a lot of um, self doubt and found it really, really hard to love myself. Yeah. It was when I start all the questions: Am I good enough? Am I pretty enough? Am I skinny enough? Am I all this to cater for an industry yeah. um, that's constantly telling us not to love ourselves? Um, did you ever struggle with self-love and acceptance? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's that it's that thing of like constantly walking around with a chip on your shoulder. Like I remember the first, the first two years I drove, I wouldn't say I was happy. Like I don't yeah, I had a great time, like I made great friends, but I wasn't 
there was just something that felt off like within myself like looking back I know I wasn't happy I had this constant I felt like I constantly had to prove myself I had this chip on my shoulder where I felt like I was seeking acceptance Mm. whereas it's I've learned now like I was everyone should find that acceptance within themselves like I was seeking acceptance in the wrong places like I constantly wanted that reassurance from my teachers or these people to say oh yeah you're good you're doing the right thing and if I didn't get that I was like walking around with this thing all day and it was like it's it's horrible because everyone needs to find that acceptance within themselves and just find that level of self-love because we're we're in an industry where you, you face an unhealthy amount of rejection yeah like I know it gets it gets drummed into us at drama school like it's it's never about you you're going to go into certain rooms and they're going to say no and it's just it's not about but at a certain point that's going to it, for anyone it's going to take its toll like if you do the average person will probably some of my friends who've got real jobs would go for a couple of interviews maybe three or four and they're likely to hear back from one that they've probably got the job but if you're doing two auditions in a week and it's like no after a few months that's going to take its toll on you but when you just learn to love yourself and it's like you go into the room this this person's opinion on you does not define who you are so it's 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 freeing in that sense because now you can just go in no oh I've got a job to do I've got an audition and it's fine if I hear back yeah but I, I don't care I've just I've done it now what is the have you ever seen Breaking Bad, what's his name? Uh, Brian Cranston. Yeah, have you seen the interview with him? Um, no, what? I'll, I'll show you after. Someone asked him, um, what advice would you give to aspiring actors? Right. And he stands and he says, you know, over the last couple of years, I've been going into the room and just showing my performance. And, you, you know, it's, it's, my, it's my time to show them okay. and the rest is up to them. And that's not in my control. And mm. he said that since he started retraining his brain... Um, he has a, he has worked more than he ever has done really? in his whole life, and like that changed my life. So I was like, "That's wow. fucking great!" And it's absolutely yeah, it's absolutely true because because I remember I'd come out like straight away as well whilst leaving, and I was like, "Right, okay, going into this audition, like it going in with the sense almost that your life depends on, but it it doesn't it, it really doesn't and it's like you put so much pressure on yourself because it's like right I'm walking into this room I need to prove myself I need to do this yeah I guess we all in a way need to prove ourselves but it's like when you've got so much riding on it yeah. for one you're not going to do a good audition and it's just not it's just not healthy it's not healthy because you're going to walk away and it's like constantly checking your phone your emails your this and it's like but now I'm just at a point where I just go into the room, I do it, and if it it is fine, like the moment I've I've left that room, it's like I'm not thinking about it anymore. Yeah. And it's just it's it's done because I can't. I just cannot put a lot of effort into what someone else thinks about me. That okay. will drive me insane and it it used to it used to I used to care so much what everyone the way people saw me or the way oh, I had, I, I've got to be my, I've got to be a certain way in this room for someone because of how someone else mm-hmm. views me but that's that's their own insecurities I, I cannot I cannot put so much weight on yeah how other people yeah. view you yeah. you just you can't live your life like that yeah. you just 
yeah, yeah. It's, it's not the healthy. same as when you go for so you have a bad edition I've certainly had loads of off editions and I used to beat myself up about it like oh I missed that note or or my intentions weren't there but now it's like okay I had a shit edition whatever like yeah. you can't there's nothing there's not once it's done once it's done the moment they go thank you it was nice to meet you it's it's absolutely yeah. done there's nothing you could do about it so exactly. why beat yourself up for the next couple of days and not be able to live your life and take it out on everyone else in your life exactly. Exactly. for the next 48 hours as opposed <laughs> to just be free and just enjoy right. the moment and it's like you walk away from it and it's done exactly what do you think for people out either listening um, who maybe are struggling with self-acceptance and self-love what are any tips that you would maybe give to those people? Because obviously it is harder said, said than done. It is really hard yeah. to love yourself in um, an industry that's pigeonholing people and saying you should look like this, you should look like yeah. that. I guess it's actually one thing I've started doing recently, and I, I learned this from a good friend of mine, actually, Emma, who, like, in an unhealthy... Like, it's not, no, actually, it's not unhealthy. Like, <laughs> in a... In a this I used to find it so weird when she started doing this thing where she like she is the epitome of loving yourself like she unapologetically loves herself and I used to think how how does she do that but I've, I've just started practicing certain things that she probably taught me it's like spending time with yourself spending time on your own and actually truly getting to know know who you are as a person like I started doing this thing now, maybe once a week, I'll just go out for dinner by myself, like sit in a rest. I never, no, but honestly, I love it because I'm such, like, I love my own space anyway, but I would have never done that a year ago. But I've been doing this for the last couple of months where I'll just sit in a rest, like, have to, like, probably go see a film. Like, Sundays are my day off now, so in the afternoon of Sunday, I'll, I'll go see a film. Maybe have to, but just actually spending time on your own and it's like, it's nice you get to know yourself and it's like you get to actually cherish yourself and it's like yeah self-love is it's easier said than done but just when you do that and actually look within yourself and see yourself how you would want other people to see you and I guess that's where it is that's 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 what works for me anyway I can't say it'll work for anyone else but it's it's what on my journey of this thing to actually seek an acceptance within myself and learning to cherish myself and not putting stock on what other people think of me or how other people see me and it starts yeah it starts with that it's like how would I want to be to be spoken about yeah actually another thing that really helped as well that sort of opened that door for me I don't know the actor's name but the guy who um if you've ever seen Prison Break, yeah. So the guy who plays Michael Schofield, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did this Oxford talk. It's on. It's on YouTube actually. And he was saying he, for a long time, he was the go-to person in his friendship group where if his friends were dealing with things, he would be there for them and nurture them and speak to them like, oh, don't, don't beat yourself up about it and just say all the right things. But when it came to him, when some, he would beat himself up and like just. Yeah about it and say all these horrible things about himself and I th- and I thought about it I was like yeah because if my friends if any of my friends were having a horrible time or just upset about anything like I would be there for them and there's there's certain things you say to them to reassure them to get them out of that place but why is it when it's 
it's you when you're going through a horrible time you're you're so hard on yourself saying all these negative and horrible things about yourself so I just you just got to do a role reversal in the sense that you've got to look at yourself how you would yeah. want someone else to speak to you if one of your friends if it was one of your friends that was going through that situation how you would speak to them and just yeah. speak to yourself that way and learn to accept yourself and yeah absolutely that brings me on very nicely to one of my next questions you put out a tweet a while back they got quite a lot of response and it said check up on your strong friend what made you post this and what truly is the importance of checking up on one another it's it's so it's i can't i can't stress this enough like it's really important because we right i'll I'll speak from my perspective as a man I know with some of my male friends, like, it's just, yeah, we, we speak every day, but what are we actually talking about? Like, oh, on our group chats, we're making, but it's like, I don't know how my friend, I, for a long time, I didn't know how my friends were. It was like, yeah, the odd meme on the, on, on the group chats, like, we talk all day and laugh about all these things, but people are actually going through real life things. And I just didn't know that. And it absolutely broke my heart. Like, for the first like one of my longest friends. I remember the day I put up that tweet, the day before, I had walked into a room and I had seen someone I'd been friends friends with since I was, what, 16? So yeah, one of my best friends since I was 16. And this is a guy like, never seen him upset, like nothing. And I saw him crying. And in like, in that moment, I did not know what to do. I would have... There's so many things I would have rather gone through than yeah. gone than have to go than just have to see that. It's like I don't know how to handle it. So I'm watching him like upset, knowing, oh my god, like I should I should do something. But I just didn't know what to what to do, how to handle that. And I was like, I'm an idiot because if that was one of my female friends, I would know all the right things to say, like give them a hug, like just be there for them. I was like, how do I it's like I'm treading carefully, do I hug him? Do I and it was just horrible because this is someone I was, I speak to near enough every day and I didn't know he was going through all these things. And it's like, we just need to express our, we just need to talk a lot more and check up on that person. That's because he's the one that's there for every, if I'm going through a, a hard time, he's the one making sure, are you, are you good? What's, what's going on? Checking up on everyone, making sure everyone's good. And it's just like, it absolutely blew my mind. That's such a strong person like that could have been going through, yeah, it made me feel horrible because I was like, well, who, like, what the fuck? I'm meant to be one of your best friends and I couldn't even see that you were going through such a hard time. So yeah, ever since, ever since then, I just, I, I try, I'm, I mean, I'm nowhere near, I'm, everyone's busy, so it's, I'm nowhere near as good as I, I would like to be. But every now and then, it's just like checking in, even if there's nothing to talk about, just drop a friend a ring and go, how are you doing? Yeah. But not asking for the sake, sake of just, an intro to a conversation no, no how are you really doing how are you like what's what's going on checking up on people and the people who care about you and just letting them know that you care about them yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's super important um, and that as well at the time of recording there's been multiple suicides in the industry um, all sadly by men don't know if yeah. you're aware yet yeah. um, so there's still a huge stigma attached to mental health um, I think especially in males mm-hmm. Um so as a man, what are your thoughts on opening up and talking and knowing it is safe to talk? Yeah, 
I guess I'm yeah I'm gonna what contradict myself with what I just said in terms of like being able to check up on your strong friend and open up more. It's it's hard. As I'm only just learn what at 23 years old I'm only just learning that it's okay to talk about your feelings. Yeah. Like it's. Is that from an upbringing perspective? I don't. I don't, I don't even know if it's an. I don't know if it's an upbringing. I can't, it's, it's this thing that society has done, isn't it? It's mm. like society has made it where it's like, oh, you tell young boys constantly, oh, man up, don't, if they're upset about something, oh, stop being such a fucking man up, do this. So it's like, it's drilled in from such a young age that if you're just, you handle it in a certain way, you, I don't know, it's, it's 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 strange because you've got a bunch of guys my age who can't vocalize how they feel, whether it be to their partners, to their friends, and it's just not a healthy way. But I'm only just learning that it's okay to to talk, and we've I encourage like I know I need to do better. I certainly need to do better, but it's yeah we all need to talk because what male suicide is the biggest cause of death from what men under 45 like I saw a stat the other day that 84 men are likely to take their life in a week that's in the UK that's oh that's that's unacceptable we can't yeah we just need to do better so it's it goes back to that thing of yeah checking up on your friends making sure everyone's okay just letting them creating a space where they will feel comfortable to be able to yeah, and I guess it's like the domino effect as well. Like, for example, when I started, the reason I started this podcast with Kathy is because we felt no one, were, no one was talking yeah. about it in my close net, on our close network of friends. So by talking about it and taking that plunge, it inspires others to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, it does. So it okay, so really, I think it's, yeah. it all comes from that. Like, if if you're talking about it, your mate. Who, yeah who maybe is strong is going to talk about it because it's like okay it's okay and, and he's talking about it so I know it's okay and it's I guess it is it's just, that, it that's, is society, yeah, that, that's, that's the thing though yeah it, you're right it is a domino effect because if I never saw my best friend upset and he's he was going through this difficult time where he's yeah he just had a lot on and he'd, he'd mm. been down for a few months and eventually he was just bound to break down at some point but when you keep it in for so long and there's no one to talk to but seeing him like that made me question some of my life choices. Like, oh, there's certain things are just not healthy. Like, I, like it's it's really unhealthy that I would have some of these issues going on and I've not spoken to anyone about it. Like, that's, it's not, it's, it's really not normal. Like, it's not a normal way to live your life. It's like, we're all so caged and it's like, we can't let go and let our guard, our guard down ever because of society has told us it's it's not right. Like, well, yeah. fuck them. Like it's everyone should be able to talk about how they feel, and as long as you're not hurting anyone, you're not inflicting harm on anyone. Everyone should be able to say how they feel at all times, and it's just being able to voice that and seeing. Yeah, that's why what you guys are doing is such a is such a great thing because listening to some of the other episodes and see and hearing. People of the same age group as me being able to come on here and open up about their struggles and how they felt in the past, then that gives me the confidence to, confidence to know. Okay, yes, it's okay. No one's really gonna yeah. do anything to you if you open yeah, if you yeah. open up about how you feel, and that lets the next person and so on and so forth, and it's gonna triple down, and mm-hmm. hopefully, 
we're going to get to a better space where people are just comfortable to be able to talk about how they feel absolutely and thank you so much for coming on because it's it is it's people like yourself and people that do come on and chat that inspire people to talk yeah Um, hopefully hopefully someone someone listening it, it helps them in some way and they and they know it's okay to be able to to voice how they yeah. feel and if they're going through a difficult time just know that there are and that's the thing isn't it it's I guess when you are going through a difficult time it could feel like the whole world's against you and that you can't necessarily speak to anyone but people care about you like your friends and family like everyone that's why having such a strong connection with people and having that sense of that support group of whether it be a close-knit group a close friendship group or your family just speak to yeah. someone yeah, they're people who care so on the terms of support group what, what you just mentioned um, if you were perhaps maybe struggling to talk about how you were feeling um, would you suggest maybe go to your close network of friends I know that everybody's different um, but what advice would you maybe give to someone that is struggling to voice to voice how they're feeling oh, it's it's hard it's hard isn't it because for me at I can only, well, I can only speak from my perspective. Like, my sister's one of my best friends. So, but only recently, I feel like, yeah, we're getting older now, so we're, we're making a lot more effort into actually putting time into our relationship. I know I can tell her anything. Like, she's one of my go-to people if I'm struggling with anything, so I can speak to her. Because I, it's still hard when to speak to friends about certain things. Like I, I, you know some of my best friends. I, I can, I can yeah, yeah, yeah. it's fine. I can speak to them about anything. And it's like, okay. But sometimes there's just certain things you can't, yeah. you can't tell people. So what I would say, I don't know. There's, I know there's this thing where a couple of my friends have shared it on social media. I don't know too much about it, but it's the Samaritan's number that you yeah, can yeah, you can yeah. ring up and you can speak. So if that helps, that that might be another way if you when you could just pick up the phone and actually ring someone and this person doesn't necessarily have a connection to you in any way, they don't know what you look like or yeah. or know your name or anything. But you could just spend a couple of hours on the phone speaking to someone and that could help. Yeah. But what I would say is it's it's so much better to speak to someone because rather than keeping in because that's when it, it will eat it will eat you up and it will eat you up and we can't we just can't be having that we need to like way too many people are losing their lives over this and we just need to I know it's easier said than done but anyone listening to this going through a difficult time just know there are people in your life as, as difficult as it will seem and it may not seem like it but there are people who value and care about your life so please just reach out to someone and nine times out of ten, the person you read, they they just won't, they won't know that you're going through because everyone puts on such a brave face and it's like everyone's smiling all the time and pretending nothing's going on. But nine times out of ten, there's someone else you know that's going through an equally difficult time, and it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's. It's, it's hard to talk about because I, I just cannot believe like people are really really losing their lives and it just seems like we, we as a society need to do a lot more and I don't okay. know what like things like well-being centres in schools and 
yeah, I, I don't know. There, there needs to be more support and at, at gra- yeah, yeah, at grassroots le- yeah. level to make sure it never gets like yeah, it's, it's it's all well and good like us at, at a certain age talking yeah, about it, yeah. but it's like if in schools, if I don't I don't know if it's still the case, but if if in schools people are still saying stuff like to kids all the time oh man up mate don't don't fucking cry. why are you crying why are you doing this like then that that five year old kid's gonna grow up thinking it's it's unacceptable to be able to express how they feel or be able to ever talk about it and that's just not okay but if in if in from primary schools there are all these there are places where you can walk if you're upset if you're I've got I've got my my god my goddaughter who's three and there's certain days she'll wake up in a really bad mood. She, but she just doesn't. Yeah, she, she doesn't want to go to nursery today. She just she's woken up. And, but there's a there's a reason for that. Yeah. There's a reason why at three years old you can wake at this place where you have a great day sometimes, and some days you just don't feel like it. There's a reason for that. And yeah, even at three, we should recognize that and be able to go. Oh yeah, why don't you? Whereas me just going, oh no, get ready. I'm dro- I'm dropping you off. I'm going to drop you off at nursery. You need you need to go down there today. But n- there should be somewhere at these at these places like primary schools where it's like, oh, are you, are you feeling upset today? Then tell me about it. Why? What's what's on your mind? What's upsetting you? Then that per- she's going to grow up knowing that's okay. Yeah, that's absolutely. That's fine to express how she feels, and yeah, hopefully. like it's that thing as well from a young age. Um, you you grow into like your emotions like we're never ever like we're taught abcs and one two threes yeah Um, (laughs) but we're never ever told you know you've always been told like okay points happy points are sad but you're never actually told in depth what they mean from a young age and how to cope with them so i think it's a very interesting point you brought up about we yeah we should be catering to younger people and yeah, absolutely. I, I, for me, anyway, I don't, I don't know if, it, but I just think that's the best way to tackle to tackle it because, yeah, we like at twenty three, I'm starting to recognize, oh, this isn't a healthy lifestyle. Mm. Um, I'm living like being able to keeping all these things, all these emotions yeah. bottled up, and not being able to express myself. But if if whilst I was in primary school and in or secondary school in a playground when someone did something to me and it's like, oh, I'm, I'm angry about this and that. But just being able to express that, it's like not being able to, to talk about it because people, other students who look like you have said, oh yeah, oh, why are you crying? Why are you fucking, don't, yeah. don't do that. There's such a, oh, this bravado among guys where it's like, oh, if you're crying, you're a girl, if you're, but it's, yeah it's like it's absolutely fine to be able to express how you feel like just yeah school school for me is definitely the best way to to tackle that especially secondary schools where you've got young young people teenagers and just being able to let them know and yeah having having some sort of a room where they they can go into if anything's happened if they're upset, why are you upset? Like just a counselor or something. I know that there there should be counselors in schools that you could just yeah, talk. Yeah. Hopefully, change will happen. Hopefully, hopefully. hopefully. But. 
So as we said at the start of the podcast, we are gratefully sponsored by King Manual Therapy. Stephen is a manual therapist who specializes in myofascial release and Scarlett and myself are both here with him at his clinic today. Hello, Stephen. Hi, Scarlett. How are you feeling after your treatment? I feel really, really good. I had quite a lot of back tension and neck tension, I think you would say. Stephen just kind of shuggled me all up. That's a technical term. (laughs) So it was something that I wanted to start in 2019 in order to look after my mental health as I carry quite a lot of stress around my body. Um, And Stephen's clinic is such a supportive, safe and funny atmosphere. He offers top banter as well throughout his treatments. It's been a really great thing to do in 2019 for me. And I went for a vocal massage last week and having put off going for vocal massages for years because I've heard about how painful they are, I can confidently say that it was completely pain-free and I felt so much better after it. And I think that there is a big link between looking after your mental health and looking after your physical health as well. So Stephen, if people would like to begin with you, where can they find you? So you can find me at kingmanualtherapy.com and there's a whole little booking system there. You can just schedule, come and see me, come say hi. We'll work out what we can do. And um, you can find me on Twitter. You'll find me, King Manual Therapy, and uh, Instagram, also King Manual Therapy. I feel like that's really unimaginative. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure you check it out. Um, so, you are currently rocking it out on the fabulous, in the fabulous West End on a fantastic play. Um, as we have discussed on this podcast before, um, we know that the West End isn't just a sparkly fairy tale of all happiness and good things. <laughs> um, it does obviously come with its struggles alongside the, yeah. the many positives. Um, what have you found most challenging about this this contract in terms to maybe balancing your personal life with work, mental health, keeping keeping the balance? Because it is difficult. It's so hard doing a show. Mm. Um, for, I don't know. I don't, the only thing I can sort of think of would be my diet. Yeah. That that that's just it. I'm just not eating right. That's the only thing I can sort of think of. Like, yeah, my friends understand that I'm busy. I'm doing this thing, so it's like when I see them, I get the so little time I get to actually spend with them. We just we have to work on that and value those little times, but. Yeah, the only thing I can think of is, is my, my diet. I remember the first two weeks of us moving into the space, I was really ill because I just wasn't... God. Yeah, I wasn't... And I lost quite a lot of weight. I just wasn't well. I wasn't eating right. And I'm, I'm slowly, slowly getting back back to normal now, so... It's so easy, because you're burning so many calories. Yeah, like, it's like you're, you're, on the go. Go, you're on the go, rehearsing long, hour, long hours, you're especially those first two weeks when we moved into the space so it's like we're still rehearsing yeah. every day and it was during preview so we had shows at night as well so it's 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 it's, it's, it's easily it's easily done skipping meals yeah. but it's you gotta do it man you gotta eat right and meal prep yeah i'm i'm, ter- I'm terrible at that <laughs> i terrible. was as well terrible i was it's, can't, can't do it it's hard <laughs> yeah diet, diet's so important as well because obviously if you're not eating then you're not fueling your body and then yeah. you're going to be unwell and you're going to be off the show and that all adds to mental health that, yeah that's health. the only thing I can think of that I've, I've struggled with during this run how do you keep a good balance then between between everything what advice would you give for maybe someone that is working on a show especially maybe if they're away um, away from their family away from their friends um, the balance. Sorry, I'm putting you in the yeah, I, just, oh, I don't know, I don't know. 
I know for me, I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling in the sense at the moment that it's like keeping in touch with people. Like little things like I'm such a home per like I want to, if I could stay at home all day. I, so I up, up north, my parents oh, live lovely. up north in Preston. So I'm actually, I'm going to head home and surprise my mum this weekend for Mother's Day, but... I Luckily, been... this isn't coming out this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I'm... Um, yeah, I haven't been home this year. Yeah. So I, I started rehearsals 2nd of January, so I've... Well, it's been three months. I haven't been home or seen some of my friends. So it's like, it'll be just be nice to go home yeah. for the day and get a few That would have been nice when you done your tour in Manchester. Yes, but, but even, even then, even then I couldn't... Couldn't see. Anything. I couldn't see. I, I was home for what about three months. Did the tour, and I I didn't see anyone. But I'm such a I, I love my friends, man. Yeah. So I love to just see if it's yeah sitting in front of a TV all day and just watching football on a Saturday with my mates. Yeah. And that I'll do that. But it's like I feel like I'm missing out on so much when I'm at, when I'm away. So. Yeah. It's that thing of I don't even get to actually check in as much as I'd like to. Whereas oh, if it's it used to be every day, but I'm so busy and on the move all the time, and I feel I feel bad for it. But it's a lifestyle, London, yeah, isn't it? I guess, it's hard yeah. to find the balance. Positives about the show, and um, in what way has um, getting particularly this job or working? How has that helped your mental health as a positive? Yeah, um, just speak because. I guess it's a, it's a massive com- it's a massive company like of actors and then just getting to speak to I've gotten quite close to a lot of the older actors and just getting just constantly picking their brains and wanting to know certain things yeah. and how they're what steps they've taken and how it this acting things played out for them and that's helped in the sense of one thing this older actor that I've gotten quite close to in the show has tried to teach me is it's okay to be patient like we it's wanting this instant gratification like we want things our generation we want things to happen now like we want it so bad but it's like yeah just be patient and and take your time it's like it's good you're doing this show you're going to do it for a couple of months but if nothing happens after it then that's that's absolutely yeah. fine as well but just letting just letting go and le- learning everything happens for a reason and yeah it's, it's great I'm, I'm learning a lot from that because yeah, I'm in I'm in the ensemble, so it's so it's great to just watch actors do their thing. So I'm learning quite a lot from that by just by just simply watching, really, and yeah, amazing, and picking brains. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, what are the difficulties of playing a role and having to do it, particularly in a long contract, and having to play it over and over and over and over and over while dealing with life? On the yeah. Set? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's just fine. Yeah, you've just got to find the joy. It's finding a joy in different things and just constantly discovering, I think, because it can get. I mean, we're going to be, by the time this finishes, we'll have done it for the entire run would have been about four, four months, maybe. God, yeah. So it's constantly finding new, just discovering new things, finding the joy, and just having, yeah, it's having fun. It's how, and it helps when everyone in the company is great as well. Yeah. Like wh- everyone just seems to actually be having fun on stage. So it's so it doesn't feel stale yet. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Brilliant. 
Um, so, last question. Could you walk into a room today and say, I'm having a bad mental health day? Oh. Depends what room. Definitely, it depends what room. If I, if I walked in to a room with, I guess, my flatmates, I feel like yeah. I'll, be, I'll be comfortable to say that. If I walked into a room with some of my best friends, I'd become... I, don't, I couldn't walk into a room full of strangers or people yeah. I don't necessarily yeah. know. Yeah. That that so, yeah, I, don't, I don't know how that will go down. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think some rooms, yeah. What about the show you're in? Could you walk in and say it there? Again, I think it, I think it depends. It, it depends who in the company. Yeah. Like, I know I could walk into the, my dressing room the room I share with three other guys and I probably yeah I think I'm, I'm close enough with them where I could say that or some other members of the ensemble I could yeah Bro. thank you very much we're on to our last game oh, which is finished another the... game oh god <laughs> oh, here we go so my favourite breakfast of all time is crunchy nut ooh very nice yeah. do you have it dry or with milk oh who has crunchy nut dry people have it dry you know just out the bag nah Come on. Or sometimes with yogurt on it. Yeah, I can't do the yogurt thing. No. I had crunch nut this morning, no. actually. Any berries on there? No, no can't, can't do the... Can't, some standard, <laughs> standard, can't do the fruit and cereal. <laughs> or dry, or dry. Yeah. In the future, I want to... Be happier than I am today. Yeah, I would hope to just be comfortable yeah. and happy. Yeah. Brilliant. You like this one. Ailey Loan is... A legend. <laughs> My favourite film is... Sorry. Oh, it's so hard. This is The Departed. Uh, yeah, The Departed. A dream role of mine would be... Yaga. Ooh. I'm happiest when... I'm happiest when... Um, yeah, to be fair, I'm happiest when when Arsenal are winning. I really like no honestly, <laughs> I, I've I've oh thought I've thought I've thought about this a lot. Like <laughs> football is it, it's it's quite sad really, but football is actually my So your thing. Okay, that's it. Yeah, it can either ruin or make my day. Why is that though? I don't know. I don't know. I'm tr- I'm I'm really I'm really trying to let go of it. I'm trying to but I can't. Because I just it, don't get it's, it. it. It's probably I realise like it can. I, I I was at a wedding last year, right? I was at a wedding, watching like someone I'm quite close to getting married. <laughs> it's like a watch. happy, a happy like everything was great. Like to got, like it was great. I was like, oh, around my family having such a great time. I made the mistake of looking at my phone and looking at the score, and Arsenal were losing, losing, and I just. And that was it. The, the it was ruined for me. The red wedding reception. I just sat at a table, and yeah. But I just thought that's that's not it's not normal. Like how can this thing ruin or make my day? So it's just like yeah, I'm at my happiest when they're winning. Man, it baffles me. Like family members who literally, if their team loses, and I can't talk to them for the rest of the day, they are livid, livid, yeah. so snappy, moody, and I'm like. I don't. It's that emotional connection. It can make it can make me cry. Can make me yeah. Shed tears of joy, shed tears of sorrow. Yeah, Arsenal does it. Fantastic. Have you ever watched them live? 
Yeah, not not <laughs> recent. The last game I went to was actually an away game, Everton versus Arsenal. Two, that was two years ago now. I haven't wow. been. I haven't been in two years. Pop on over. Yeah, I need to. I need to. It's just not. Yeah, it's not. It's not good enough, really. <laughs> a few of my friends who are going to hear this, I'm going to. They're going to. I know a particular friend's going to be on my case is going to be like oh you call yourself a fan you've never been <laughs> been to a home game in two years he's going to be but on my case but you watch them on the telly yeah. like, so George, George he's going to be on my case and he's a city <laughs> fan as well last question I am fabulous because I am fabulous because come on I don't know no, I don't think I've ever referred to myself as fabulous, but um, I'm fabulous because I am... I'm really... This is, like, the most difficult. I'm fabulous because... I don't know. Why am I fabulous? Self-love. Come on. I am fabulous because I am... Wow. I really don't know. I am fabulous because... Should I phone Ailey and ask her? Oh, my God. That, you know what? That would be absolutely hilarious. Please. Let me do it. She, she can answer this for me. Hello? Ailey Lone, hello. You're live on the podcast at the moment. Oh, hi. Hi. Um, so, we're having trouble answering a question. So, the finish okay. the sentence question is, I am fabulous because... Why is he fabulous? Zero. Yeah. He is the most kind and supportive and loving person that anyone would be lucky to have. Oh, see, I, <laughs> Thank you, Ailey You've Lone. actually been nice. I thought you were going to say something. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> this is like that bit in Who Wants to Be a Millionaire when they're like phone a friend. It is. Thank you so much, Ailey. You're fun. welcome. Enjoy, guys. Bye. There we go. That's why uh, you're fabulous. I, th- I thought she was going to be really funny and say something horrible. <laughs> so remember that you're fabulous. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming uh, on. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been, it's been great. Thank you for listening to this episode of Industry Minds. We wanted to make our listeners aware of the services that we offer. We are lucky to have the support of our counsellor, Mary Birch. Mary offers a private telephone or Skype service 24-7 and completely free of charge. She's also holding one-on-one sessions at a creator-friendly price of £25, so if you are interested, please get in touch. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please hit the subscribe button. You can also rate and review us on Apple. We want to reach as many creatives as we can, and this isn't possible without ratings from our lovely listeners. Share, tell a friend, and please continue to spread the word, as it really could help someone. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back with you very, very soon. You have to say a funny bye at the end.